listening to the Foodies Project podcast, which are catchphrases, no cheesy quotes, just a couple of average country chicks who get real, raw, and sometimes risque. In this special episode, we're answering a call from listeners who want more information on the change of life, the natural occurrence at the end of the reproductive years, otherwise known as menopause. We spoke to Dr. Vivian Clark back in April and had some wonderful feedback. And in this episode, we'll catch up with uh, menopause awareness advocate, Joe Pibus. both and obviously connecting you know through Instagram and you know women on podcasts supporting other women on podcasts but anyway love what you girls do been really enjoying your episodes and uh, keep it up it's great thank you yeah well welcome I guess we'll just launch straight in shall we um a little bit of it we did a little bit of research Joe. you're a writer a feminist a pastor and now a spokesperson for women's menopause health and you had a breakthrough article, article uh, Perimenopause Buckle Up Girls, and that was published in her Canberra a few years ago, and which opened a door to becoming a spokesperson on the taboos of menopause. You featured on SBS Insight, ABC Radio, and the Australian Women's Weekly. What a ride. Can you tell us your menopause experience and what it's been like? Oh, my God. I should have thought. Can I lie down? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny, all those thank you for, for reeling off all that stuff. It does make me sound very, very important and there's nothing like, um, you know, embellishing a few things there. So anyway, I'm going with it. Arthur, thank you and lovely to meet you both. And, and hello to all your lovely listeners. Um, yeah, obviously you uh, have a great crew in your audience and just for the fact that you're the 40s project, it's very important I have a chat to you girls about a few things. So, yeah, look, look, everything, all those things you mentioned about me, so many of them happened to coincide with the beginning of my menopause journey and it's quite, yeah, I mean, I have the benefit of hindsight now, girls. I'm 55 and um, I've finally got there and uh, you mentioned, I think, going on SBS Insight, Insight yes, I'm the woman who's, you know, sat there and said, oh, hello, I'm 53 and I still in perimenopause and I hope to be in six months time fully menopaused and uh, anyway it took me till 55 another 18 months but nothing like out yourself on national television but um yeah (laughs) look I get (laughs) yeah look I guess girls you know I'm sort of typical wife mother of three um hit my uh I, I guess I got to 48 really and that's when bang I really noticed something was changing and, um, and it was really obvious to me because I'd actually spent the first half of my 40s being fitter than I'd been in my life because I had, after I had my kids, I got into the sport of triathlon and just really ended up being um, this sort of late onset athlete and represented Australia three times. Wow. And That's so still coming I was, me, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I think. Yeah. I, I think I missed <laughs> oh, that boat. <laughs> it's, it's it's all it's all it's all um, in your future. I'm sure. So I was a little bit out there when it came uh, to where I was at physically at that stage, yeah. and um, yeah, with the support of my husband and my kids, I went and did some really fantastic things. So at 48, 
and this is seven years ago, uh, I started to hit the skids because I kept wanting to do these amazing events. I, you know, I'd competed in Ironman triathlon, which are the really, really long ones that take your whole day to, wow. you know, do the one uh, event. And I'd aligned myself up to do this really huge ultra, ultra trail run in 2015. And it's funny because I look back now, I've been logging my period since then and uh, that's when it started I started logging it because clearly I knew something was up and what was happening to me and and this is listen in please everyone listen into this because I know that you girls had the lovely Dr Vivian Clark on Mm -hmm. and she was she was brilliant and I'm really applaud doctors like Vivian who were out there making sure they're you know giving women information uh, but one of the things she didn't mention, she she sort of mentioned, you know, your periods become erratic and, you know, further apart and then eventually stop. But one of the things I had no idea about that could relate to menopause was the fact that my periods did the opposite. They became more frequent. They were heavier and went for longer. And so over a period there of three years, I was running on about a 21, 22-day cycle. So that's a period every three weeks. And they were heavier and went for longer. Yeah, exactly. You'll hear women talk about this. Um, They were heavier, they went for longer. And uh, I was losing a lot of iron when I was trying to train for this event. So that was my focus. I wasn't even thinking about menopause. I was thinking, oh, this is weird and this is annoying because I can't train and run, A, with lack of iron and B, while, you know, I've got to basically fill my pants with a small double bed doona. You know, (laughs) it's it's a little bit uncomfortable. So... (laughs) It's true, though. It's true. So I, you know... I run it up to my GP uh, saying, look, you know, what's going on here? And, um, yeah, it um, was a time when I was just told, oh, well, you know, periods are heavy. Solutions for uh, heavy periods, have a marina, uh, get a chemical ablation. But menopause was not discussed at that time. I was 48 Mm. and those words did not come out of his mouth. And I went, oh, and I was so just so focused that I, you know, wanted to keep doing this athletic stuff that I said, right, I don't really want a marina. My husband's had a vasectomy. I haven't been on the pills since I had my kids. Don't particularly want to go down that hormonal path. I don't need a contraceptive. Uh, so I went, oh, this ablation sounds good. And a friend of mine had had one and she she loved it because, of course, it. Um, they, I believe they put this balloon thing into your uterus and it chemically sort of removes the inner lining and that's what holds the blood and so from then on then of course please go and see a doctor and get the real explanation <laughs> but um but basically what happens is you, you your body still goes through the cycle but i believe your periods are either nothing or just a you know half a teaspoon of of um you know blood so i thought well that'll that'll really suit me so here i was and i signed up on the day and went you know was ready to do it and luckily i had to wait two weeks and well, luckily for me, not for everyone, uh, many women benefit from it. But over those two weeks, I sat myself down and said, well, what the hell are you doing this for? Um, because it is still an invasive procedure. And I realized that, hang on a sec, you know, I'm not an Olympian. You know, we're not playing, paying off the family farm with all my gold medals and, you know, <laughs> my sponsorships from Nike. Um, I want to go and do this thing to my body just so that I can run more. And maybe I need to back off. And I cancelled it and thought, I just need to give myself a little bit of space here and think, why are you doing this? 
And um, yeah, it was uh, an interesting decision at the time, but I, I also, my head wasn't in the right space. And so I made that decision and made the decision that um, I needed to find out why this was happening yeah. to me first and understand that. So bearing in mind, at this stage, girls, I didn't really align it with menopause. Wow. So that's where that was at. That, that would be one of the first things that crossed my mind. Yeah. So before these years, I, I feel like it was um, only the last few years that it's been more and more exposed about menopause um, per, and perimenopause especially more so. Um, I'm a hot flusher, as I know you were. There was a wonderful podcast called The Hot Flush and that was really the first time I heard real women talking about what really happens in, in perimenopause. I thought a little bit like uh, Vivian talked about for some women, I thought my periods would just flitter, you know, just yeah. become further apart, become, you know, very light until they stopped. And then and then after that I'd get hot flushes as well. I thought, oh, yeah, once your periods stop, then you get the hot stuff and I'm old and I'm grey and so that's it. But um, anyway, so here I am sitting on the loo and are those massive, massive pads, they're like four and a half metres long, um, <laughs> have the rip-off strip and, and of course, this brand I had um, saw fit to um, write trivia on the, the, the What, what the is strip. the trivia? We almost thought about a segment of Libra trivia mm. on the podcast. Because... Quit. Oh, I know, I know. And I'm sitting on the loo looking at this. Uh, at the time, I'd come across the word perimenopause and I realised that I had learned that turtles can breathe out their butts before I understood what happens to a woman's body when she finishes up with her eggs and becomes infertile. So, and I've just, that was it for me. I thought, well, fuck me. What the hell? It's, you know, it's it's the if the 2020,000s or whatever year we are and uh, my mum didn't say anything. I know my grandma wouldn't have said anything to her and what the hell is going on here? Why why did I, I'm, I'm not stupid, I, you know, worked everything else out and why did I know that turtles could breathe out their butts before I knew what perimenopause was? And, of course, the word perimenopause just whew, flooded me with lots of things to look up and then I, I'd really dialed in, you know, a hot flush with, you know, Kate and Kim, um, you know, connecting with, with women and groups and um, really starting to educate myself on, on what was happening to my body uh, and, yeah, blew my mind, absolutely blew my mind and I felt, I sort of felt stupid in a lot of ways and then continuing on from that, subsequent visits to my GP, I also felt really gaslighted because I just figured he'd be the expert on this but apparently I am. Yeah. How much training do GPs get about menopause? I mean, it affects 50% yeah. of the population and they get a yeah zero. So let me let me give you a little bit of a rundown here. This blew my mind. So as you girls know, I I, I just responded to SBS um, Insight when they put out a call for people who wanted to talk about um, menopause, and so I sent them that article that you said uh, you talked about that I wrote called Perimenopause Buckle Up Girls because once I'd done all my research and became Dr. Joe Pibus, head of <laughs> perimenopausal research for all women ever, um, I wrote this article out of frustration because I wanted women to know that before your period stopped, you could have 10 years of some pretty weird stuff happening to your body 
And um, so I got invited onto Insight and that was a, a great uh, privilege and I met wonderful women and one of them, of course, was Ginny Mansberg. She subsequently read um, written a book called The M Word, of course, Menopause, and it's a great little Bible to have. I think all doctors, GPs should have that at their desk. Um, but she said on that program, so out of her mouth, and she's a trained GP, the GPs go through all their training without doing a specific unit on menopause, something that affects, as you say, 50% of the population for many decades of their life. And that blew my mind and it, and it explained a lot. And think about this. This is this is my, I'm getting, oh, here I go. So we go to school, right? And we get to what, year eight or nine and it's all the reproductive health stuff and we're taught how to put a condom on and what our ovaries look like and how if you get the, penis and the vagina together, stuff can happen, you know. It's all about understanding reproduction, understanding puberty and understanding how not to get knocked up. I think we come away very informed. Of course, we go off and practice for a while. We've we've nailed that. Society's got that in hand, has for a long time. And then, of course, we get pregnant and we show up at our GP and they confirm it and they'll pass us on to a obstetrician or an antenatal clinic through our hospital and we'll be nurtured and we'll go to classes and we'll be checked up and there'll be videos you're shown and, and you know, all the options, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we've got that in hand and we've even now got, you know, dedicated fertility clinics to make sure women who struggle can have. So we've completely nailed that. But at this end of the game, when we're not fertile and we'll be heading towards not being fertile, it's just crickets. There is no system in which – so your GP will send you to a a, a gynae and they'll talk marinas and ablations. Some women need it. Some women should get it. But there's no intermediate. So I kept going to my GP with stuff and out would come within seconds. You know, you've got like – 47 seconds with your GB, out would come the prescription pad. Let's talk HRT. Let's talk HRT. When all I needed, and now with the benefit of hindsight, was to know that that itchy rash was normal, was to know that, um, you know, my brain fog was normal. And then I could go away informed and think, well, hey, I can work from home. If I need to lie on the bed for half a day with the double bed doona between my legs and, you know, a hot compress <laughs> on my forehead, I, I can actually do that. Now, some women can't. My friend that had the ablation had a job she had to front up to in an office, you know, dressed sensibly. Her workplace wasn't conducive. The ablation was perfect for her, but it really wasn't required for me. And so, but I didn't have all that information, that stuff that stopped me catastrophizing things. Mm. And so I was constantly showing up and being gaslighted, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, that sounds strange. Here, have some HRT. That yeah. sounds strange. Here, have some HRT. Now, I'm not rubbishing HRT. You do your homework. You decide on the risks. Some women can't have it. Um, but it is well, some women swear by it and power to them. Some women swear by the ablation, the marina. But I, my fear is that there is a percentage of women that are doing it because they're scared and they're not informed Mm -hmm. about maybe some other things they could be doing uh, to alleviate some of their symptoms and um, And knowledge. I I think that, you know, there's this 
that idea of what's going on with me. I'm having, am I having a heart attack? Oh my God, now I'm having heart palpitations. I need to, you know, and no, that's actually can be part of Mm. um, perimenopause and just knowing what's going on. You're right. Knowledge is power. As I've already said, I did a lot of research online, right? And one of the best things I came across, and if someone had shown this to me at the very beginning, when I started experiencing all that stuff, I would have totally got it. Because I can tell you, I've had my experience with uh, perimenopause, I've had bruxism, which is clenching your jaw. I now have to wear a mouth guard to bed. Oh, me too. Itchy skin. Oh, yeah. Itchy wow. ears? That, I think itchy ears. That might be something itchy ears. Yep. That might be different something. Yeah. <laughs> Poor sleep, achy joints, brain fog, yes. dizziness. I've had dizziness, cranky as fuck. Uh, yeah. Scared witless <laughs> that I'm going to die <laughs> of something horrible. So never, ever don't go to the doctor. Please never, ever sit back and think, you know, go check it out. But then, you know, when they look at you strangely, do your research. It's possibly a, a byproduct of your hormones. That if I could just get some good sleep, I think or it would alleviate a lot of things. And I do think the sleep deprivation is the big one. A hot flush, it was actually... Um, uh, Kim Berry on on Insight that gave the best explanation because I just couldn't quite work out how to articulate what a hot flush was. But uh, it starts like a bit of an aura and it they can be different in severity, of course, but it can start like a bit of an aura that goes over your body and you just start to feel a little bit like uncertain, like something bad's about to happen, like a bit of deja vu or a bit of a, a fright flight response. And then it just it's like this internal heat radiates not just you know under your armpits or on your forehead it just sort of goes out every pore of your body so you know I've I used to wake up um earlier on in this period of seven years just wake up drenched and in my um my my head but also in the the armpits you know the opposite side of your elbows and behind my knees in my knee pits just be drenched and I, but I would wake up already drenched and hadn't experienced the first bit, but now I get to wake up and know what's coming. And so this sort of unsettledness, you're awake, and then it, you then you rip the doona off ready for it. Now, in the beginning, I used to, it, it feels like a bit of anxiety, and certainly we need to add in there that with your changing hormones uh, can come, you can break the seal on, on depression and anxiety that you didn't ever feel that you had problems with and that that you know sort of lends itself to, to all this and we have to remember hormones aren't just about having us spit out an egg every month and you know welcome the sperm and procreate the species our hormones feed every organ in our body our brain our stomachs our livers you know so is it any wonder that all these other systems in our body are affected that is normal because we just associate it with becoming infertile but there are other things that that happen to us and so yeah and so a hot flush and then of course it's like a freight train running through you and then it passes and then you're freaking freezing cold and trying to pull the dunas back on again (laughs) but do not be surprised if it makes you feel uncertain if it makes you feel um a bit anxious if it you know that comes with it. There's this weird sensation. It's not just hot and sweaty. And so you can imagine that happening to my friend at work when she's delivering, you know, news and whatever on the radio. And she said, oh, my God, my doctor came up with this great thing that they, they know now, uh, probably because so many women have been put on antidepressants over the years to help out with um, menopause-type symptoms. And a low-dose of Vexor, which is an antidepressant, 
hits the same bit of the brain that sets off your hot flushes. And so what it can do is it can really reduce their severity. So I thought, I'm giving this a go. So I take one of these little tablets a day, which is not a clinical dose for depression. But having said that, I also feel a a little bit more optimistic than I perhaps was before I went on it. And my hot flushes now have backed the F off. They are still there and they're still happening, but that the severity is just really, really flattened out. And so I I decided I'm going to stay on this for six months and give myself a break. Now, my sleep's still hit and miss, but it's better. And um, that worked for me. Would that that be your takeaway tip? Like if you can encapsulate a couple of takeaway tips for women who are entering Mm. this phase or are in it, what are they? Look, I I think so because I think you um, need to... uh, we need to be the generation girls that stop this taboo of, you know, women not talking about it. So just to help our own daughters for a start, you know, it's up to us. I can bitch and moan about the fact that my grandma didn't talk about it, my mum didn't talk about it. I've got to talk about it and God knows my girls are over it by now. But <laughs> anyway, you know, and, and talking to our friends because I think our friends are suffering in silence and they won't say stuff and, yeah. you know, now, of course, we, we saw through the, the great, um, you know, Hot Flush podcast and the, the community they developed online, women will tell you anything. But, you know, you start them talking about their um, dry vaginas, you know, vaginal dryness, mm-hmm. that gets a bit, you know, their lack of libido, that gets a little bit, you know, in that icky bit they don't want to share. So, but this stuff becomes quite personal and you think you're going mad and your your brain is foggy you're forgetting things you're feeling slightly more depressed than you ever would your anxiety it's your hormones it's all those things are really visceral so they they get you in in the the heart you know muscle don't they because you're scared and you, you know they're, they're, they're a visceral feeling but turn it into an intellectual one. Ah, oh, i'm feeling mental because i'm going through perimenopause yes. Uh, I'm going to give you some tough love here. You are going to go through this. There's no avoiding it. And you need to ready yourself. And because Caitlin Moran, this great journalist, uh, and uh, wrote a book in the, in the UK, and she was a party girl in her earlier years and, you know, recreational drugs, and she realised that oestrogen has been like a recreational drug all her life, washing her with sexuality and perky boobs and, you know, fantastic hair and great skin and when it was taken away it was like a hangover it was like waking up coming down off a drug high Mm -hmm. and so you've got to know that's coming and you've got to be ready for it by creating habits now that prepare you for later so some things like if you like to have a drink in the evenings or you like to have a drink all day Know that when you're going through this, drink will make you sleep worse. And so if I just don't drink in the evenings anymore, uh, sorry, not true, uh, occasionally. And I'll only do it when I know I can sleep in the next morning. And if I want to have a nice um, meal out with friends and a drink, I'll say, can we go to lunch? (laughs) Because I'm not going to go and get HRT just so I can drink alcohol. That doesn't make sense to me. Okay, that doesn't make sense. So drink at lunchtime, enjoy the lunchtime, and then hopefully you'll sleep. Um, Try and sleep in longer in the mornings if you can. 
Don't sit there thinking, oh, I feel like shit, but still going to bed at 11 and getting up at 6. Get moving. If you're not someone that exercises, and, and, I, and you know, I talk from someone who went a bit crazy on the exercise, you know, it's a bit the opposite end of the spectrum. But if you're not someone that does much exercise now, at least get out and do yourself a favour and, and, you know, walk a kilometre every day, you know, do a 10-minute walk. You know, your hormones feed your joints and your muscles, and when they're depleting like they are, you get an achiness. So, you know, you may not have arthritis, but you have all this feeling of it, and you've just got to move, move your body. Get your headphones in, listen to the 40s Project podcast, and get the hell moving. Negotiate with your workplace. Workplaces are becoming better. There's a whole heap of consultants out there that are working with workplaces to look after women with menopause and groups. So start negotiating. Maybe you need to have a day off a week. Maybe you need to go permanent part-time. Maybe you need to work longer days to get one day off a fortnight. Just anything that can give you a break, okay, because you're going to be a, a better employee. Yeah, they're, they're my hacks. You need to make space. There was a beautiful podcast. Michelle Obama had a podcast series out and she did one on menopause and she had a hot flush on Air Force One or something and, you know, (laughs) wanted to rip her clothes off and, you know, and she just made this beautiful statement and said, society, families, friends, uh, workplaces and women themselves need to make space for this. You've got to accommodate it. Thanks so much, Joe, for stopping and taking an interest in what's going on with your body, sharing your story with us and encouraging women to talk about what happens in reverse puberty. You're very welcome, girls, and thanks for having me on. And look, I, look, I hope it's helpful for someone. If not, if nothing else, just to start the conversation. And no, it's not taboo. Chat about it to your friends. And if you're lucky enough that your mum's still around, sit her down and grill her because I'm yeah. sure that if you, we bothered to ask, we might get a few more details. So all the best to you. Love you. Love your work and uh, thank you so much for having me on.